Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Friday, May 22nd, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, joined once again by Santino Cacone as we continue our 32-day virtual tour of the NFL from a DFS perspective. And I told you all a few shows back about Santino's 4-4 speed, but he can also bring the power. And this is a power rushing game podcast. We've got Derrick Henry and the Texas not Texas, the Tennessee <laughs> Titans today. Uh, Santino, how are you today? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, this is this is an interesting one. It, power is the name of the game with this team uh, up front and with the big guy, Derrick Henry, leading the charge. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it really is. He was he was the monster that carried them all the way almost to the Super Bowl. Uh, just an absolute beast in the regular season, led the NFL in rushing. Uh, ended up with 1,540 yards, 303 carries. He led the NFL in rushing uh, attempts and also rushing touchdowns, which was nice that they finally gave him the rock. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was Deion Lewis there for a while, but he's left town now, and uh, it's all Derrick Henry all the time. Yeah, it was kind of a theme the last couple of years of – are we going to give um, Henry the ball more? Are we going to give Henry the ball more? Are we going to give Henry the ball more? It started in 2018. He saw an uptick, about 240-plus carries. Uh, and then last year, it was pretty much all him, and they pushed Deion Lewis to the side. And uh, they almost they were this close to making the Super Bowl. So uh, it worked out for him. Yeah, really, really impressive run through the playoffs. Winning in New England, Tom Brady's last game in, in, in yeah. uh Gillette and then uh, big upset against the Ravens and then they had that lead against the Chiefs but they couldn't finish it off so uh, a lot to build on and uh, things are looking up for the Titans so uh, thank you all for joining us here before we start breaking it down uh, just a little introduction if you're new to the program you can find these podcasts anywhere podcasts can be found and we're also doing these by video now on YouTube And again, we're doing these seven days a week, Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in. If you want to learn more, we we have some information at dfscoachtalk.com. That's our website. You can pick up a weekly, monthly, or annual membership. And those are frozen right now until we get a pro sport back up and running in the U.S. In the meantime, we're giving out free advice in the Korea Baseball Organization, the KBO. We had another big night yesterday at DFS Coach Talk with the cash games and the GPP. So uh, encourage everybody to come and, and become a member and uh, have some fun with us with the KBO. So Santino, the uh, coaching staff is once again led by Mike Vrabel, and he's got the same offensive coordinator back, Arthur Smith. On the defensive side, Dean Pease has retired and Mike Vrabel has announced that he's going to basically run the committee and it'll be everyone giving input. You know, he'll have final decisions on the, the play calling. But uh, the core is basically intact there. And on the offensive side, as we mentioned in the intro, it was all about the rushing attack. Over 2,000 yards, third in the league as a team, five yards a carry. Thanks to Mr. Henry. Thank you very much, Derek. (laughs) 21 scores on the ground. That was second in the league. And passing, uh, it was the story of the transition from Mariota 
to Tannehill. They started off very poorly with Mariota, but then when Tannehill uh, took over, they were much better in the passing game, and it became a much more balanced attack offensively. Uh, what, what do you see as the outlook for the offense this fall? Yeah, I mean, um, two big th- two things that they did are they lost two linemen, starting linemen from last year, Kevin Panfile at right guard, and probably their best linemen overall or tied for with Taylor Lewan. Uh, they lost Jack Conklin at right tackle. They did address that in the first round of the draft, so that, uh, that might be okay there, but we'll see how it happens. Um, but, yeah, this team – First four games and first four or five games of the season were not good. Uh, they were had a losing record. Passing offense was bad. But then Mr. Tannehill, I know I know him very well, and I really like Tannehill. Uh, he came in and he just turned this team right around. Um, listen to these three stats at or uh, for their passing offense, which they led. They had or they were ninth in the league in touchdown passes, which um, for a team that was 31st in attempts. They were very successful in the red zone and in the the green zone, as you say, when the 20 to 20 to 40 yard line. Um, but they were first in the league in yards per attempt and passing, uh, first in the league in ear yards per attempt and passing, and second in yards per catch. So this team was not afraid to to throw the ball deep, um, and it makes sense when you have Derrick Henry back there, uh, power running game. Play action was the name of the game for this team, and you could get single coverage and pe- beat people downfield when they are trying to uh, load the box against Derrick Henry because you kind of need to. Yeah, great stats there. And the key on the yards per attempt was that transition from Mariota to Tannehill. Mariota was only 7.5 yards per attempt, and then Tannehill was 9.6 YPA, which is tremendous. Now, the number that surprised me there was the air yards. I didn't realize that uh, that the Titans were were so high in that category. Um, I guess AJ Brown was really the deep yeah. threat. He had 20.2 yeah. yards per reception. Yeah, which is insane for a, especially for a, a rookie. Yeah, so that was that was terrific. Um, thankfully, because Corey Davis was <laughs> was subpar at best. Um, but it was Arthur Smith's first year as the offensive coordinator. He had taken over from Matt LaFleur. And you're right. They were really effective at actually punching it in the end zone. And that yeah. goes a long way towards winning games and um, you know getting deep in the playoffs. That was really huge. And for a, for a team that was such a power run team, to say when I say that they were fourth in the in the league in yards per play at six per one, I I don't think you would have put the Titans up there in the top five at yards per play if if you probably would have guessed 15 teams before them, but they were just extreme. They were the most effective team um, on offense. Probably were once Ryan Tannehill came in, they were just extremely efficient on offense, and it it was the entire offense. Yeah, you're right. You wouldn't think of them that way. You'd think of the you know, three yards in the dust, just power running game. But Derrick Henry, you know, he drags people a couple extra yards over five yep. yards to carry himself. And that's how you get over six yards per play. So um, the Titans certainly have to feel good about the offense on the defensive side. Last year was a bit of a down year under Dean Pease. The passing defense dropped a little bit. They were 24th in yardage allowed and they were sort of middle of the pack against the run uh what are your what are your thoughts on the defensive side 
Uh, yeah, so the de- defense got shaken up a little bit as well. Um, the two biggest guys that they lost were Jarrell Casey at defensive line. They replaced him with uh, Jack Crawford. It's not it's not an even trade right there, a trade-off. But uh, they also lost Logan Ryan, their other starting cornerback. I know they have Malcolm Butler. But Logan Ryan was extremely good. Um, and he's he's currently a free agent right now. I know before we went on, we thought would the Titans resign him, but I just don't see him fitting into their payroll, especially since they're going to have to pay Derrick Henry soon. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if they'll be able to pay Logan Ryan ten million dollars a year, so that's a big loss. They lost Cameron Wake, another guy from the Dolphins, uh, but he's kind of near the end of his career anyway, and they replaced him with Vic Beasley. They did add um, Jonathan Joseph at corner, another guy who's. History is really good. He was a, he's a really good corner, but he's up there in age, and he's been getting roasted uh, a lot. So I don't know if that's a fair fair replacement for him. But um, this defense, they were really good. They were pretty good last year, but against the pass, they weren't so much. Malcolm Butler is a shutdown corner. Um, Kenny Vaccaro has been pretty good, but they didn't have uh, they gave up a lot of a lot of teams were passing a lot against them. Um, they gave up a lot of yards, but they the one good thing about them is. On the flip side, on the offense, they were very successful in the red zone and punching it in. On defense, they were a kind of bend it but don't break defense, and they didn't give up that many touchdowns, which is uh, why they held the leads a lot. Yeah, they ended up outscoring their opponents by almost 70 points, so pretty strong in the point differential, uh, and they were plus six on turnovers as well, which was big. And then in terms of those, uh, in terms of the secondary. They went out and drafted Christian Fulton from LSU in the second round. Uh, so maybe he'll help if they don't re-sign Logan Ryan. Yeah, I mean, they have Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson already. Uh, they did pick up Jonathan Joseph, and, and Holton might might be pretty good as well. So that's a decent top four. Uh, one thing that I saw that was interesting is uh, they're, they were bottom 10 in the leagues in um, – knockdown percentage for quarterbacks and hurry percentage for the quarterback. Um, and one thing that hopefully gets fixed this year, they were second in the league in penalties on defense uh, at a hundred. They get, had 125 defensive penalties, which was seventh in penalty yardage. Um, you got to figure if, if they're a little more, if they don't have as many penalties, uh, they're more disciplined. That, that takes up a lot of first downs because they were, they did have the six most plays ran against them. So the, the more less time they're on the field, the more first downs they're not giving up themselves, uh, the better numbers that they should probably put up. Yeah, doing some quick math here. That's eight penalties a game on the defensive side. That's two per quarter, which is not good. And <laughs> no, no. I had noticed that disparity in plays as well. So that's certainly one of the explanations for it. Now, one other thing I want to mention on the defensive side is that they've hired Jim Hazlitt as their inside linebackers coach. And he, of course, is a veteran in the league. He's been a defensive coordinator in four different places. So he's one more veteran that I think Mike Vrabel will turn to and uh, try to fix some of those deficiencies that you just outlined. Yeah, I can see that. So, uh, Santino, let's start to break down the offense as we look to 2020. And you know Ryan Tannehill better than almost everyone out there. So talk to me about your boy. He's no longer <laughs> in Miami, but he's done quite well in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm glad that he had this year that he had in his first year out of Miami. Uh, he'll be 32 in July, so he's not he's not a young chicken anymore. Uh, but this was the first time he was a pro bowler. Uh, 
awesome. Kudos to him, and I'm glad it happened. He was, yeah, he he needed this. He needed this. But uh, he took over after week six. Um, through week six at the or at the end of week six, he came in after Mariota got got the hook and then never came back because Tannehill looked like he was moving the offense, even though they didn't score that game. Uh, but he started ten games and went seven and three. He's been pretty good throughout his career. He's he's gotten the Dolphins to the playoffs. Um, he's pretty pretty much a 500 win type of guy. But the this team is a lot better than and, and the weapons that he has are a lot better than he had in Miami. Uh, but let's look a 70.3 percent completion percentage. That's insane. Uh, he was he was third in the or third in the league on on target percentages. Uh, the only two people ahead of him were Drew Brees and Derek Carr. Um, and same with bad throw percentage and drop percentage. The only two people that had a better uh, bad throw percentage or drop percentage than him were Derek Carr and, and Drew Brees. So he was elite in getting the ball into the playmaker's hands. And they weren't just the dink and dunk type of uh, Derek Carr throws because they led the team. They led the league in air yards. They led the league in uh, yards per catch and all that. But he had 2,742 yards in his 10 or 10 and a half. 10 and a quarter games, uh, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, something that he's always done. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over too much. And then he added 43 carries for 212 yards and a career high four touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he does have the ability to scramble. He's always had the ability to run and he's a mobile quarterback, maybe four touchdowns. I don't know if we'll repeat that. Uh, so a little regression there, but 212 yards, I can easily see him getting another 200 yards on the ground. And this is a big one. Uh, 117.5 QB rating, career high. He was just really, really efficient, as was this whole team. Um, and and for DraftKings and fantasy, two out of ten times he was only two times he was under 19 fantasy points. So he was very consistent. Two times over 30. So he's not a a high ceiling guy, but he's a very consistent low ceiling guy. And for FanDuel, three times under 19 points, with that other one being um, 18.9. So pretty much right there. And he only had one over 30, but he's just extremely consistent. Um, he's a better than average game manager who can who is efficient in the red zone. Um, but one thing that this team I will say is they were so efficient last year. It's going to be extremely hard to match the efficiency that they had. Um, so I could see a little bit of touchdown regression, but the big plays are there with this team. Yeah, excellent. And I think for Titans fans, they have to be excited that the Marcus Mariota experiment is <laughs> over. You know, it kind of crashed uh, with, what was it, 59% completion percentage last year as he got the team off to that two and four start. And Tannehill really came to the rescue just in time, like yeah. you said, and, and had that great winning record down the stretch uh, with, with the better weapons around him than in Miami. And I think it's important to note that he does have value really as a cash game player uh, on DraftKings. I looked at the prices and out of his 10 starts, he exceeded value eight times. Uh, better than 3x. So that's a tremendous ratio. Uh, he was in that 4.8 to 6.8 price range. So we'll have to see what his price tag is this year. But yeah, you're right. Those four touchdowns on the on the ground really helped. And he averaged 259 yards passing per start. So, uh, you know, really solid. Um, now, in terms of the backups, now that Mariota is gone, I just want to touch on these guys briefly. They've got Logan Woodside, who's been on the practice squad. He's out at Toledo. 
And in his junior and senior season there, he averaged over 4,000 yards and 36 touchdowns. So uh, nice background there, but no experience yet in the NFL. And then they spent their seventh round draft pick this year on Cole McDonald out of Hawaii. So once again, one Hawaii man out, one Hawaii man Mm -hmm. in. And Cole McDonald is an athlete. Uh, So he's got a nice profile that matches up with Tannehill because – this guy can run. He's got a 4.5840, and then he ran a 1.55 10-yard split, which was in the 99th percentile. He's also got a cannon for an arm, great on the deep ball. And last year at Hawaii, he was over 4,000 yards, 63% completions, 33 touchdowns, but 14 interceptions. And that's the one knock on him. He made some bad decisions on some of those throws. But on the good throws, I liked his tape. It, to me, it looked like he had that anticipation where he was looking off the secondary and you know getting to that second and third read in his progression. So I, I think he's got a real future. Uh, once again, a nice spot for a backup uh, to learn behind uh, Tannehill. Yeah. Now, one one thing I wanted to say is when you brought up Mariota, it's funny because this team was been has been searching for consistency from Mariota for ever since he came into the league, and he's just been the consummate inconsistent uh, quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is the exact opposite. Uh, he may not be the greatest quarterback, but he is extremely consistent when he's in there, and he makes the right reads and he makes the right plays, and he's very good as a play-action quarterback. Uh, throughout his career, he's been efficient and excellent as a or on play action and with Derrick Henry back there and a guy who we'll get to later as a wide receiver who had an extraordinary yards per catch um I can only see him continuing to be an efficient and um just very good at every week to week yeah I mean 70 percent completions is just uh terrific so uh that's a that's a nice thing to have now, uh, we we started the intro with Derrick Henry, <laughs> and it's time to celebrate him again. Uh, the NFL's leading rusher. Um, is there anything that could possibly stop him from being dominant again this year? Injuries, uh, as with everybody. But another guy, another first-time pro bowler, uh, he finally broke through and got the carries that he desperately deserved. Uh, the end of 2018, when he was getting 200 yards, back to back to back and he just kept busting through and almost got the the Titans back into the playoffs. They finally said, okay, we got to give him the ball and let's do it. And second year over a thousand yards. Now Deion Lewis is gone. So uh, maybe even more, a little bit more, but 1,540 yards in, in the league, 16 touchdowns. You mentioned it 5.1 yards per carry in 2018. He had 4.9 yards per carry. So this isn't a fluke. Uh, just just throwing out how big of a monster the guy is. Uh, he was third in first downs. He had 73 first downs. He was first in yards after contact with 968 of his 1540. Um, first in average yards after contact. He averaged 3.2 yards after contact. Uh, that's um, that's insane. Uh, 29 broken tackles was third. Uh, this guy is as as big as he said or as he looks. He's, he looks that even bigger when he's running at you with a full head of steam. Uh, it's very hard to want to tackle this guy for four four quarters. Yeah, seriously, I would want no part of trying to tackle him. <laughs> Just incredible. And he also had career highs with 18 receptions, 206 yards, and two touchdowns, which, you know, aren't aren't big numbers, but 
like you said, with Deion Lewis gone, uh, at least he's got that nice base. And, you know, you, you know that the team rallied around this guy. Uh, they gave him the extra carries in that finale to make sure he got the rushing title as he went for over 40 fantasy points. <laughs> and we know this guy's got the got a major ceiling after that 99-yard touchdown two years ago. Um, you know, he can, he can bust a long one and, um, you know, give you some high-scoring games, even though he doesn't catch many passes. He had four games over 20, two over 30, and that 40-point fantasy game. So an absolute stud, and um, he's going to get a ton of carries this year. Now, with Deion Lewis gone, they have to come up with some sort of plan for third down and a guy who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield, and it looks like it's going to be Darrington Evans – their third-round pick out of Appalachian State. He's a little bit undersized at 5'10", 203, but really, who isn't compared to Derrick Henry? <laughs> and I really like the tape on Evans. This guy's fast, quick. He ran a 4-4-140. Uh, he was 1-5-0 in the 10-yard split, 97th percentile. And you can see the quickness in his tape, the, the lateral quickness, the vision, the moves, uh, quick cuts, and... I know the Titans are excited about his hands because in the last two years with over 400 carries, he had zero fumbles and only one drop last year uh, out of the backfield through the air. He ended up with 21 catches for 198, almost six yards a carry when he was he was handling it. Um, so, uh, Santino, should we expect that Evans will be that third down back, uh, you know, right from the beginning for the Titans? Um, I could see it again, as we mentioned yesterday, as I mentioned yesterday, the being a rookie in this year, this season is a little different than the last season, since you're not going to have that playbook. You're not going to have the practice reps, all that offseason work uh, that you would have with your teammates. Um, so that's the the gray area on this season. But um, yeah, you mentioned it. This guy's a speedster. He he had really good hands. He had five um, receiving touchdowns last year and another 18 on the ground. An explosive playmaker. He could easily step into that Deion Lewis role. A uh, 37-inch vertical was really good as well. And I see him just being a change of pace back, trying to keep Derrick Henry refreshed for that fourth quarter when they have the lead and they just want to pound people with a, a super freak monster who's just as fast as he is strong. Uh, but Darrington Evans, I, I do like him if he gets the playing time. And I, I think... Uh, maybe Henry gets a little more work on third downs as a receiver because he did pick that up, and there there are no Darren Lewis, uh, De, uh, Deion Lewis, but Evans easily fits that role, and he could be a playmaker on third down. A 37-inch vertical, too. Another one of your stats. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy, now, he's a freak Now, that's really well. about it for this backfield. Um, the other guys on the roster right now include Daylon Dawkins, who had all of 11 carries last year, one target, no receptions. And then Sonoris Perry, who in his career only has 11 carries for 33 yards uh, and three catches. So not much depth there at all. Very similar story with the receivers, (laughs) Santino. After the departure of Tajay Sharp and another big pass catcher, Delaney Walker, of course, the tight end, those two guys are gone, and what's left is a very thin group of pass catchers. But thankfully, they've got A.J. Brown, who, as we've been 
referencing had a terrific rookie season last year. Yeah, and he only started 11 games. Um, Derrick Henry probably loves this guy, probably will buy him stakes after every game because he's the reason why that you can't really stack the box the entire game against him because 20.2 yards per catch, that's just, as a rookie as well, that's insane. Um, he had 84 targets, 52 catches, 1,051 yards. Only 25 receivers, wide receivers, uh, got over 1,000 yards. He did it as his rookie year. Uh, that's awesome. Eight touchdowns, and he added another one rushing. This guy's just uh, a super athletic, big guy. He is, he, is, he is a speedster, and he breaks tackles. He was 14th in the league in yards after the catch, uh, 14th for wide receivers and broken tackles. Uh, he only had two drops. That's how D Tannehill didn't have many bad throws, as I mentioned earlier. He was the top three in the league in bad throw percentage. Um, and this guy only had two drops. And he was 16th in the yard or yards before catch uh, per reception at 11.3. So another speed speed guy with uh, who's who's just built at six foot 226 to break tackles and, and get yards after the catch. Um, he's definitely the number one wide receiver on this team. If we look at the first four weeks last year, he was under 50% of the snaps while Mariota was in there every week. Uh, the last seven weeks, only one time under 79% of the snaps. So there's room to, for him to even grow more. Uh, four of his five 100-yard games happened in the last six weeks, and five of his eight touchdowns were also in the last six weeks. And he also added that rushing touchdown in the last uh, eight weeks. So this guy's a number one option, and he might not be costing you number one money in fantasy um, in FanDuel or DraftKings right out of the gate. So he's someone I want to look at. Huh, those late season numbers seem to <laughs> correspond with some other change in the offense. Oh, yeah, it was Tannehill was playing. Yeah, so they had a nice nice chemistry together. And you're right on the price. I mean, he started out extremely cheap as a rookie, only 3.7K on DraftKings. But the highest he got was around 7K. Um, so that'll change this year. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on his price tag. He's certainly going to be the number one target uh, for Tannehill. Now, you mentioned the, the, the low number of drops, and Brown had a much better catch rate than the next fellow here we got to talk <laughs> about, Corey Davis, who, man, what a disappointment. First round draft pick from 2017, fifth overall. He just hasn't done it. Last year, he played in 15 games, but he only got 43 catches, 601 yards, and two scores. And he had one of the weakest fantasy performances you can have for a guy that's you know getting that many opportunities as a first rounder he only had two games over 10 fantasy points all season uh they were both over 20 so he hit value those those two games but that was it it was just a mess and i don't really have much faith in him do you i mean i did but like you said, the two games that he were his best, he scored a touchdown in both those games and had over 80 yards. Uh, take out those two games, he has no touchdowns and no games over 80 yards. So it's very um, – if you put him in your lineup, you're just hoping that it's one of the games that maybe he catches a touchdown. And I don't know what happened because he was supposed to be – he looked awesome in college, and he looked – his rookie year, he looked pretty good at the end of the season. And in 2018, he had uh, nearly 900 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, with 
inconsistency from Mariota. So he looked like he was going to take that next leap, that next leap. And then he was going to have AJ Brown taking off some pressure on him. Uh, but he just, he fell flat. It's very hard to say anything good of what he did last year. He just fell flat and watched AJ Brown leapfrog him. Um, I, I can't, he only saw four, six targets plus in four games. I mean, until I see it happen, and stop saying, oh, he has talent. Maybe he'll put it together. Until it, until it actually happens, I can't even look at him in, in fantasy or DFS. It's just going to um, – he had a few games where he got zero catches. That's just going to crush your DFS. You can have superstars all over your lineup, and then you get a zero from them, and it just crushes you. Yeah, it's uh, not a good one. I lost you there for a second, buddy. Where are we now? How oh. far did you take us? <laughs> uh, when did I when did I cut out there? I don't know what's happening. Did you wrap up with uh, Corey Davis? Did you start on Adam, Adam Humphreys? Yeah, no, I wrapped up on Corey Davis. All right. So let's <laughs> transition to Adam Humphreys, who I'm I'm a little bit more excited about. And last year he wasn't. He wasn't that productive. He only hit value twice all season as well. Uh, he did deal with some injuries. He only played 12 games, finished with 37 catches for 374 and two touchdowns. But, you know, rewind a year to Tampa where he spent four years and, and his last year there in 2018, 76 receptions for 816 and five touchdowns. And, you know, this is one of the prototypical slot receiver guys underneath He'll go and battle for an eight, nine, ten-yard catch, and I really think they need to incorporate him more in the offense. Um, you know, if if he's going to get you know three receptions a game like last year, then you know he's not really going to be worth it. But um, if they've got Henry, you know, taking up all that attention uh, with the line, and they've got uh, AJ Brown is the deep threat. You know, to me it makes sense. Let's let's utilize this guy in those short intermediate routes. Um, do you think that Humphreys will get some more targets this year? Yeah, I actually like Humphreys. He was their big offensive offseason acquisition last year. Um, Corey Davis, as a, I don't know if it cut out for me or for everybody else, but Corey Davis is just flat out not doing it for anybody. Until he does it, you can't count on him. Um, A.J. Brown, like you mentioned, is going to take the, the top off the defenses. Derrick Henry is going to fo- have people stack the box. Adam Humphreys is a guy that Ryan Tannehill traditionally likes, a guy who can work the middle, a guy who can get open and um, move the chains for you. So I, I do like him. And as you mentioned, 2018 for Tampa Bay, he had uh, over 800 yards, five touchdowns, 76 catches. That was with Mike Evans on one side, uh, a healthy Deshaun Jackson on the other, and him rotating in and out with with Chris Godwin before Chris Godwin became um, a perennial 90% of snap guy and took off. But I mean, that's very good. I can see him being the number two option on this team easily if Corey Davis falters again. And uh, I, I don't think he's that bad of a guy to target, and especially in a PPR, because he could get peppered trying to move the chains. Yeah, definitely. Not a fan dual target, but I'll, I'll keep an eye on him for DraftKings for sure. Now, there's not much else in terms of depth for these wide receivers. <laughs> Khalif Raymond is probably next up. 
only had nine receptions last year for 170 yards. He's had three years out of Holy Cross. You know, hasn't done too much yet, but he did catch a long touchdown pass against Baltimore in the playoffs. Um, you know, so he's got that that deep speed. Um, but you know, I think he's on the outside looking in to start. And then I got to at least mention Cody Hollister from the Hollister family. But you know, that's the problem with this depth. He only had two catches last year on six snaps. So you know, last year kind of felt like the pass catchers for the Titans. It was just this mess of guys, you know, because you also had Tajay, Tajay Sharp in there and you didn't really know what was happening with the tight ends. So I guess in that sense, it's we've got some more clarity. But, um, yeah, for me, it's really A.J. Brown or, or Adam Humphreys to start with. And that's about it. Yeah, uh, the depth on this team, maybe Raymond could take over if Corey Davis just falls on his face again. Then there is opportunity for deeper in this depth chart. But um, these, these aren't guys that I'm going to look at to start. I would I would look at Brown, Humphreys if I need to. And then uh, the tight ends aren't too bad. Yeah, so, so tell me about the tight ends. We've got Delaney Walker, a 14-year veteran who's gone. They just cut him in March. Uh, dealt with injury last year, ended up with only 21 catches, 215 yards. Uh, but Jonu Smith is back, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he, he should really take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Um, first off, I love Delaney Walker. He was one of my favorite guys um, to play ever since he was in San Fran, before he even became the starting tight end. I just love the way he lit people up on special teams. Uh, and then he worked himself into that role behind Vernon Davis and then eventually took over that starting job. But he was always really good. But last year he got hurt. Uh, weeks, I think it was the first snap on week seven or the first couple plays in week seven. He got hurt and then Jonu Smith took over. But Jonu Smith's uh, season season aver- or season totals were 44 targets, 35 catches, uh, 439 yards, three touchdowns, 12 and a half yards per reception, which is good. Uh, this guy's a big. He's pretty much Derrick Henry size, six three. He's 250. That's funny to say. Um, but after week seven, after or before week seven, um, he didn't really play much. Every week, he was under 70 percent of snaps for all. After week seven, after Delaney got hurt, he never played. Uh, a snap percentage under 72%. He was just, he became the number one option or number one tight end on the team. Six of those nine games, he had four plus targets. Unfortunately, two of the other games, he had zero targets. So you can see the floor with that. Um, but he has chemistry with Tannehill. And I, I do like him as a GPP option. As we mentioned, this team doesn't really have that much depth at wide receiver. Uh, Corey Davis didn't do anything last year. He could easily put himself into the number three option on this team as a pass catcher. Uh, they did lose Deion Lewis as well. We do we both like Evans to fill that role, but we don't know yet. Um, so I do see him being a, a GPP option at tight end, maybe not for um, points per reception, maybe more of a fan duel target. But I think he, he he's very talented, and he's a big physical guy and a red zone option. Yeah, I agree. He could certainly be that, that third option. Um and he's another guy. He scored in the playoffs. That was the thing for me, uh, the takeaway where, you know, in the playoffs, the pressure's on, and Tannehill really took advantage of his of his tight ends and used them to his advantage. He threw a touchdown to one of his tight ends in every game of the playoffs. In game one, it was Ferkser. In game two, it was John U. Smith. In game three against Kansas City, it was Ferkser again. So I think this is an important duo to, to keep an eye on. 
And I agree. I'm a little concerned about the floor for Johnny Smith, but uh, based on his price tag, it's a lot easier for him to pay off value. So I, I will consider him. And then Ferkser, uh, he only had 14 catches last year and one touchdown. But I mentioned the two touchdowns he had in the playoffs. And with Delaney Walker gone, I think he'll step up. And he's shown, you know, when he's out there, the the, the main purpose is, you know, to find an open in the find an opening in the seam. Um, you know, he's done well when he's gotten the opportunity. If Johnny Smith is hurt, I would certainly look at Ferkser. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I think the arrow is pointing out for these tight ends. Yeah, especially with the the losses that they had on offense. Taji Sharp's not huge name, but he was pretty productive last year. And Delaney Walker is now officially not on this team, so they both jump up one spot in the depth chart. Excellent. Well, before we get into the draft coverage, Santino, uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter and learn more about your 4-4 speed and 37-inch vertical? <laughs> yeah, you could, uh, you could find me on Twitter at, at Santino Cocone. That's at S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. And you can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. And the rest of the crew is at DFS Coach Talk. Now, uh, Santino, we've touched on a couple of these draft picks. Um, Linemen in the first round, cornerback in the second round, Darrington Evans in the third round. Any other highlights we should know about or any other points you want to make on the draft? Yeah, and and you also mentioned uh, Cole McDonald, their seventh round uh, rookie quarterback. Uh, They only had two other draft picks here. Uh, Lorel Murchison, uh, D-tackle out of North Carolina State, he might have a role because Jarrell Casey is no longer on this team, and that's a, that's a big loss. But I don't know if we'll – again, with the, these rookies, especially a late-round rookie, uh, it's, it's very hard for him to crack that starting lineup day one. I think he's more of a depth option. Same with Chris Jackson, more of a depth option. Um, but the big one is Isaiah Wilson, their first-round pick out of Georgia, offensive tackle. He's probably – if there's somebody going to start day one, it should be him, and it would be him. And he has some big shoes to fill. Uh, Jack Conklin is probably overall their biggest loss this year. A very talented tackle, and they lost both of their starting um, linemen on the right side. So he has he's going to be thrown right into the fire, and we'll see how that works for him. But, um, yeah, they, they have some pretty good draft picks. And uh, I know at least Evans, Fulton, and Wilson are going to have roles out of the gate, maybe not starting roles, but roles. Now, how about for the overall season outlook? Um, you know, we talked yesterday about Indianapolis and how we both feel very, very positive with uh, their future this season. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit more skeptical on the Titans. I think if they stay healthy, they've got a chance to, to get in the playoffs again and be a force. But I, I just don't think they have much depth at any of these key positions um, I'm not, I'm not as optimistic with them overall. Um, I don't think they made enough of a splash really defensively, um, you know, in terms of personnel to make a big change. I don't know if Jim Haslett will be enough. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? What, what do you think about the Titans just as an overall projection? Um, so losing Logan Ryan, uh, your other starting cornerback, I know Adoree Jackson's not bad and he's probably going to fill that role. But losing Logan Ryan and Jarrell Casey, those are two big guys on defense that you're you're missing out on. They weren't great at getting generating pressure. Uh, they were 13th in league in sacks last year, 
but uh, they were towards the bottom in passing uh, like yards against, and losing Logan Ryan, a starting corner, is going to hit them a little bit. But they were, I, I do like them, but the efficiency that they had last year was almost historic. It's it's very hard to be that efficient without uh, with the weapons that they have and the, the full depth that they have that were depth the lack of depth that they don't have it's very hard to be that efficient two years in a row so i do see a little bit of a decline and i do as i mentioned yesterday i like the colts to win this division i think they could finish second but um deshaun watson's still the best quarterback in this division and it's a quarterback driven league so maybe the uh, texans finish second but um i think they have an outside chance to make the wild card again especially because Ryan Tannehill showed that he can lead this team to a really good record and really far. Well, as we head into the weekend, we are going to wrap up our AFC South coverage here on DFS Coach Talk. Uh, it'll be Mike and Sh- Mike and Shane. Santino, you and I will have the day off tomorrow. Any big plans for the holiday weekend? Uh, not as of yet. <laughs> I'm playing it by ear right now. Yeah, it's kind of a different year this year, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, a little a little different than uh, normal. Just a, just a wee bit different. <laughs> so I guess the the one positive thing is, you know, we we're going to continue to uh, crank out these podcasts seven days a week. So for those who are gathered around uh, some sort of barbecue, uh, feel free to flip us on this weekend. As I mentioned, Mike and Shane will have the Texans uh, on Saturday, and then we'll continue to transition through the AFC. Uh, throughout the weekend and into next week. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I've got family coming down tomorrow. It's my mom's birthday today, actually. So happy birthday, mom. And we're going to, you know, do some social distancing uh, this weekend. Um, and uh, so that'll be fun. To everyone else out there, uh, have a great, safe, healthy, uh, fun weekend as much as you can. And thank you for all of your support here uh, at DFS Coach Talk. We, we love uh, connecting with you. So uh, thank you again for your support. And be sure to tune in again tomorrow uh, as Mike and Shane break down the Houston Texans for you here on DFS Coach Talk.